right. Well, as I'm sure you can hear, if you're listening to this, folks, we are we're doing this a little different than we normally would. We are not in the studio. No. We are in a hotel in Orlando, Florida. That is correct. So, welcome to Parent to Podcaster. I'm Nikki B here with Lizzie. Hello. Are we in bed? We're doing all right. We sent our kid off to the pool with my little sister. Mm-hmm. And we are here with my good friend, Daniel of the Actual Anarchy Podcast. And we're going to talk to him a little bit about being a dad and podcasting, because that's what we're all here to do. So how are you doing today, Daniel? I'm doing well. I'm recovering from potential illness acquired at the Great Wolf Lodge. Oh, no. That's what you go to Great Wolf Lodge for, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's a grand Petri dish. You know, you're around a bunch of uh, kids of all ages, and waterborne illnesses are aplenty. That's delightful. I feel like all illnesses are waterborne illnesses. (laughs) Maybe that's why I don't get sick very often. I do I do avoid the water mm, pretty well. Yeah. So uh, as with every episode that we do with a guest, we're actually going to be talking about the personal experience being both a parent and a podcaster and how that manages to fit in life. Because I know there's a lot of people complain and say, you know, I don't have the time to do that. I don't have the time to do all these things. Daniel manages to find the time to do a lot of things. So I'm excited to hear a bit of his story. All right. Well, that thank you for the lead up and for the uh, nice introduction and the invitation to be on your show. Uh, I do a fair amount of things, um, not all of them well, probably enough of them not well enough to not continue doing them, but I still try. And you can find a list of all of them at danielelwood.com. But like you mentioned, Actual Anarchy is my main thing. It's a podcast where we talk about movies and we try to relate them to economics and libertarian theory, things like that. There's a normie-friendly version that's available on the Launchpad Media I know you guys have a show on there as well. Mm -hmm. And that one is called The Last Nighters. And it's a little bit more of a Trojan horse or a little bit of subterfuge because it has a less scary name. And so it can be shared with the normie types and, you know, maybe maybe convert a few people, red pill them a little bit. Ooh, he said scary words. (laughs) Red pill. He's making misogynist or Nazis. Which one is it? (laughs) Anyway, so how long have you been uh, been doing the podcast? Well, I want to say we started podcasting per se in uh, January or so of 2017 with the actual anarchy version. But part of that, we did one called the Reed Rothbard podcast. And we did that for probably six months. So halfway through 2016 is when we started. Oh, wow. And we've been going every week, one time per week, sometimes a little bit more uh, ever since. Have you had any breaks in there at all? No, not really. Um, we've had a few where we've been late or we've gotten a few in the can. And so that's, that's another kind of nice thing. Occasionally, like if you know, you're going to be gone for a couple of weeks, you can record two or three of them and drip feed those out to kind of cover those gaps that really will come up in your schedule. Uh, that's one of the things I've noticed with a lot of my comrades who also, I'm throwing out like communist words here, but uh, who also do um, podcasts is that some of them will have like life events happen and then you won't see a show from them for like a month, two months, three months, and then they'll do one again. And I admire that they're sticking with it despite the big gap. But unfortunately, it's really hard to build an audience without having that consistency. So Mm -hmm. one recommendation I would have, if if that's kind of what the show is about is recommendations or things you've learned is make sure that you have enough content and that you have a consistent 
schedule that people can come to expect it. Now, obviously, you're, you're a man in his basement, it looks like, you know. Uh, so is this something that you do despite your family's wishes? Or how do you, how do you feel like this fits into the, the family aspect? It does become a challenge that, in a way, I'm sort of enabled in this endeavor by my wife, who does take care of the kid primarily. But, you know, I'm doing this in my office, which is a shipping container, not a, not a basement, but close enough. Uh, and I work here my day job. And so, you know, I wouldn't be able to do any job without my wife taking care of the kids, let alone the podcast, let alone mm. this interview. I mean, she's in there right now. They're on their Kindle devices, I think, at the moment, um, getting uh, their unschooling education. But yeah, if, if, if it weren't for her, then a lot of the things that I am able to do sort of as extracurriculars would not be happening. So that's another strong thing is have a have a partner who can help you your time for that. So I'm curious, what do you do for a day job? this is something that you you find a way to do? Well, my day job is uh, somewhat specialized. It's for a Fortune 500 company and and other Fortune 500 companies are our clients. I was in sales for a decade or so, and then I quit and moved to an island because I was convinced that prepping was the way to go. And so my wife and I, we just got married and we're like, all right, we're moving to an island because when the golden hordes leave the cities after the 72 hours of food runs out, we want to have a moat in between us and, and all those people. I've since toned down that rhetoric and discovered, you know, libertarianism, Austrian economics and things like that. And and so I'm a little bit less concerned about that kind of stuff. But that's um, kind of where we got started. And then I, I now work for the company again, but now I can do it remotely. So I used to have to be in the city as a sales rep and then they still needed me. So I was working remotely as a contractor and then uh, another position came up. So now I'm more like managing the accounts. Uh, so we do a lot of like marketing stuff, direct mail stuff. Uh, my company actually does the manufacturing and mailing of those things. And the clients that we have kind of come to us with like, hey, we'd like to you know, send out X number of pieces. It's going to, we want it to kind of look like this. How much will that cost? How quickly can we get it out? Um, so the, the, the short answer to that is in a, in a position and in an industry that has nothing to do with audio production. <laughs> no, absolutely nothing to do with it. So this isn't something you, I mean, like for me, when I started, it was easy for me in a lot of respects. I had a leg up because I came from audio production. I kind of knew how to do a lot of the stuff that was going to be necessary. You have had to pick up a whole bunch of new skills to take on podcasting. Clearly. Yeah. If you go back and listen to our old episodes, you will hear a, a marked distinction in the audio quality as compared to now. Uh, and it's still not great, but it's far better than it was. And, and in fact, one of my friends, um, Pat McFarlane, he does a, a, a show called Liberty Weekly. He said that he used to listen to us and, and would have nostalgic feelings hearing how terrible our audio quality is. It was like our signature. Wow. It's hilarious. Now, I'm curious, what, do you, what has made the biggest difference in improving that audio quality? Well, the biggest thing was shifting from a conference call software that was allowing a, a landline because my co-host is in a remote area. And so he was not in a data-rich environment. So he couldn't use anything that took a lot of bandwidth because he was mm-hmm. capped and then the speed was also limited. So we were using a software that allowed him to call in like an 800 number and then it would record within it. But the sound quality was actually pretty, it was not rich at all. You know, it wasn't very full. It was very thin sounding. Yeah. And a lot of static from the line and things like that. So we've since shifted over to using Google Hangouts and it used to allow you to stream through to YouTube and then I would just rip that recording. And now I, I have a streaming thing that I still use Hangouts because it's it's free. I know you recommend Zoom. I'm confused by their pricing tiers and I also don't want to pay what I think is the minimum is $15 a month because I'm a cheapskate. But another thing I have is, is a mixer and this is like my sixth or seventh mic that I have kind of gone through different 
different ones. And, and this one kind of has a, a nice vibrancy to it. And so all those things have incrementally improved the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, my co-host, he is able to use Google Hangouts by going to a neighbor's house where they do have a, a more rich Wi-Fi, like faster. I don't, I don't know what, what speed it is, but it's at least 10 megs per second as opposed to the three or whatever he was getting on the satellite yeah. that he had where the cabin is that he's in. So he also far, likes to be remote. Yeah, he does like to be remote. Um, but yeah, you know, so I wouldn't necessarily say that I have like a, a whole handle on the audio end of it. I have been doing it for a while and incrementally improving things, but it's been a learning experience basically. And I think I think for anyone it is. What's interesting is that I know for me, some of the bigger podcasts, I listen, there's a lot of podcasters that put almost no effort into it and the content is just good enough that I don't care. Like, I want to say, even, in the, even some of those even put out by larger organizations is is not not exactly the best quality like it could easily just be on a landline phone that somebody's calling in on but if you care about what they're saying you'll you'll stick it out that being said i will more likely to stick out a good sounding show than a bad one (laughs) right yeah i've heard that people will be more forgiving for a call-in guest having lower quality but the host they want them to sound pretty good yeah Um, and We've, I think, improved to that point to where it doesn't sound like terrible. And we, we say a lot of nonsense, that's for sure. Like we go into our show mostly just with some ideas of what we want to say, some, some notes, but it's really an organic conversation. We're bouncing off of each other. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not super scripted or, or well prepared. And, and I think that's different than a lot of other shows because they'll often have like a little script or at least note cards of things that they want to say and, and actually have a thesis and present it and have backing you know supporting evidence and things like that we're totally not like that at all one of the things i'm curious about because i know for us this has been a big deal is that there's been a a lot of community that we've discovered through getting into podcasting in particular like i you know made a bunch of new friends all over the country and in some cases the world doing this because there's other people that are out there doing it and kind of discovering it the same way you know you are have you found that to be the case yourself oh yeah certainly yeah yeah it was one of the bigger things that was a big benefit to doing our show and there was an endeavor to actually like create this channel or this group of people, but it kind of fell apart, I think, a little bit just because we never really figured out what we wanted to do with it. Well, but- you got, you've got that. There, there was definitely a lot of life life changes in there. You know, some people discovering that grad school is harder than they thought it might be. Some people becoming lawyers and having kids. Other people, you know, getting married and dealing with life. So there was a lot of changes that kind of brought it about more than anything. Yeah, and those things it, are kind of getting it couldn't it, it couldn't possibly be an inept leadership at any point. <laughs> Well, it was like herding cats and I, I didn't herd very well. I was just like, hey, there's a thing I made. You guys want on and here you go. If it makes you feel any better, I feel like the other the other thing or other network that I got you brought in on is probably not run any more, any more structured than that one either. So yeah, at least that was official, you know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't even know that our, our leader still podcasts anymore. Yeah. Well, actually, I saw an update that they just did record another episode. After I saw the picture together, I wasn't sure if they actually recorded though. Well, I hope so. It it would be a good thing to to have them up again. I agree. Sometimes podcasting's like that. Well, I mean, you're dealing with adults with like adult things to do a lot of times. Yeah, life Um, does in a way. I guess getting, but I don't know if we never really answered the question. So, I mean, has it been? 
been a, a positive experience as far as you in creating a network of people? Oh, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the reason that we're even chatting right now is because of a network or the yeah. fact of having shows and sort of collaborating here and there. I mean, you've been a guest on, on our shows a couple of times. Was I a guest on? I know I've been invited on one of your other shows. I've invited you, but you keep telling me that you don't really know, like music, so you never come on. <laughs> Yeah, I managed to get him on a podcast by having it be about parenting and podcasting. Yeah, yeah. those are things I, I deal with, you know, more more frequently. <laughs> well, and there was a certain degree of what you say, you know, you're combing combing your what you do to find out what are things that you're a bit of an expert on. I'm like, I just keep coming back to all I really do is listen to podcasts and do podcasts. So I was like, I guess I'm an expert on podcasting, if anything. Yeah. Now, can I ask you a question? Um, Go for it. With with that network of people and friends that you've made by having podcasts, are you able to consume podcasts? Because I find it difficult to consume them because I'm focused on making them. Okay. So, well, in particular, one of my podcasts is devoted specifically to, to or consuming curate, podcasts. Curating snippets, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there is a certain which I, I would have to just to create that particular content. Um, I do have the luxury of a job where I get to listen like i could put headphones in basically all day and listen to stuff and i drive and i can listen while i drive and if i'm standing working on a machine it doesn't really matter if i'm listening to you know stuff while i do it too i do listen to everything at like 1.75 speed mm-hmm. which your brain strangely enough adjusts to and hears as normal when you do it long enough oh yeah yeah i, I 2x everything i, I 2x rothbard and and when i first encountered rothbard i could barely understand him at normal speed yeah but now 2x um, is like boom 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 you know it's great yeah but there is a certain degree to like I, there's over 150 podcasts in the kind of sphere that we're in. And I do generally only listen to the episodes I like of most people's podcasts. There are very few that I listen to every episode of. School Sucks podcasts would probably be one of those. You know, one thing I do find is that I don't like to subscribe to podcasts. And, and perhaps this is a failing because I'm always asking people to subscribe to mine. But I just don't like the idea of like, shit downloading to my devices or my computer and like filling it up. And so I'll go to YouTube and listen to something at 2x speed on YouTube. I'll turn the the video quality down to like 144 so I'm not consuming as much bandwidth. But that's usually how I, I, I've, I'm subscribed to zero podcasts. Yeah, I'm, I'm subscribed to well over 150. Yeah, so and does I, advice get all like credit up from that? Like all No? No. Okay. No, no, we're, we're talking about modern devices with gigabytes <laughs> of space on them, and uh, MP3 files, surprisingly, don't take up that much. Well, my episodes are like anywhere from 70 to 80 megabytes, and I do one every week. So, you know, if you got 10 weeks, 800 megabytes, that's a, that's a fair chunk, you know, and if you're at 100 F or 100 shows after a couple of months you know you're getting into some gigs there yeah i just delete them if i don't like i said i essentially like i have a list of them they all auto download most people only put them out once a week very few people manage to put out content faster than that and so what i end up doing is i'll just see what i got for the day and like yep don't really care about that don't care about that don't care about that and i'll be left with what i want to listen to and then i'll you know listen to them yeah well i guess i'm more like i want to go seek it out and so just stream it uh, YouTube style rather than just have it all there. Because the other side of it is with my internet provider, I have a cap. It's a big cap, but if I have stuff automatically downloading all the time and then my kids are watching Netflix or Prime. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. Over that. And so, yeah, there's all that. Um, Another question I want to ask you because you do several shows. And I I thought that because, like you mentioned, there's 150 shows or so in this sphere that we're both in. Do you think that it's beneficial to really niche down pretty hard. I think that our show is 
fairly niched in that we're talking about movies from a certain perspective. And you know, the, the idea is the audience might be familiar with it. And so when we talk about a concept, we can illustrate it using an example from the film. But do you, do you think that niching down is a good way to target this so that, you know, you're not just one of 150 podcasters, but you're the podcast that does X? Well, what it de- what it depends on is your goals. In my experience, when I when I first kind of get it introduced, got it in my head that I wanted to form you know a business and like what are you an expert on and like picking keep niche down, niche down, niche down, and then I niche down, I niche down to a, a, a thing that's so specific. I don't really think that there's more than like a hundred people that could possibly want to purchase a product I would have in that niche. I think there is a degree to which niching down is a disservice, dependent upon your goals. If your goal is strictly to talk about something and have people listen to you, uh, then you could niche down as far as you want. And maybe you'll find that one other person on the planet that cares about what you want to talk about. If you want to have a a larger audience, I think there is a degree to which you, you can only niche down so far without diminishing returns. No amount of being an expert at this level is going to bring a million people in when there's only two people that have ever cared about both of the subjects that you're talking about at any given point in time. Right. I think I think you guys have fairly I think your niche is actually is honestly fairly broad given the I guess your sub niche, you know. There's a lot of libertarian podcasts out there for sure, but you guys do have the libertarian movie podcasts and nobody else has that. Like it's easy to differentiate you because of that. You could just be two other dudes talking about politics. There's lots and lots of those. Right. Or lots of just, you know, interviewing the half a dozen or so prominent libertarians running through the different shows. And those are interesting to a point, but then, you know, you kind of get to a lot just by different people. Right. Yep. Yeah. And even when we do sounds like Liberty, I always make it a point to like whatever conversation we're going to have, it's not going to be the conversation they're going to have with anybody else. That is the most important thing to me. Like if I'm going to do this, we're going to, we're going to be different. And I think I'm different enough that that tends to happen anyways, because I'm going to ask really weird questions and, and be interested in the weird thing that they didn't think that they were going to talk about. Right. So and I, I envision our show, my show, as being like we can have those people on but we're talking about something else yeah you know so it's like more conversational and more like we're all discussing a different angle and we're pinging off of each other so it's it's not so much an interview about that person or the work that they do of course they can plug their stuff and so you know we kind of have that opportunity i think it makes it different well and it does and i think you guys are you know one of the first ones to kind of hit on what at least in the libertarian community so the whole thing started essentially that you go back far enough and you've got two podcasts you've got the lions of liberty hosted by mark claire and the tom woods show and that's basically all the libertarian podcasts they were and they were very very information heavy and they're they're both interview podcasts dedicated to getting out philosophy and information on stuff and they're they're both very good at that job but at a certain point that only goes so far you get all these people that now have this information but we're all people and we kind of need to lead lives elsewhere so ultimately i think what, what started happening is that you started getting more and more podcasters like, well, yeah, that's cool. We all agree on this one thing. Let's see what else we agree on or what else we can talk about. Where can we connect with people in a bigger way? Which I think, especially in your case, because you, you've you taken it to use it as an outreach section by creating the creating the normie-friendly version of your show. You now have this other thing that you can talk about and use as a lens for this very specific thing that you're interested in. I think in the past year, like you find more and more podcasts that are dedicated to the culture that surrounds the people that are having this p- 
political conversation. And I think that that's the, where things are really headed. Because at the end of the day, we could all sit and talk politics until we're blue in the face, but that, that's not going to change much. Uh, getting to know and care about people is always going to serve more. The broader and more tight-knit our community is, the better that's going to work for us in the long run. Right. And, and I abhor politics. I think politics divides, and that's the whole point, is to break people off into Does it divide as much as people's opinions on movies? <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, but at least it's, uh, the movies are a little bit less uh, life and death. Your, your, your partner is notorious for not liking anything. <laughs> so he pretty much divides himself off in his own little camp anyways. Yeah, and that I like that little bit of friction that we sometimes get. And, and we do sometimes take a break from having guests so that we can have just a, a bit of a sparring match between the two of us because we have a pretty good chemistry together. And uh, there was a period of time, actually, we took probably six months off from having guests because we wanted to recapture that. And then I was like, well, this has been fun, but I miss having guests because I miss having that foot out there or that that invitation out there to engage with people and interact yeah. and talk to people. And I, I, I think we're in a good spot right now as far as that goes. We do three or four guests and then we do one of ours and then we kind of rinse and repeat. So was that chemistry part of what uh, made you want to do the podcast? Did you ever consider doing it on your own? Oh, I never considered doing a podcast on my own, mostly because my thoughts are usually so scattered that I really need somebody to rein me in or, or have something to focus on or bounce off of or pick up the ball where I drop it. Gotcha. <laughs> I do that pretty often. Robert there's is a, definitely the quick one. Yeah, there's a bunch of people who are really good at presenting, you know, an hour's worth of information, just flow of consciousness. And that's not me. I, I can go for a little spurts here and there. And then uh, I'm, I, I think I got some ADD or something. Interesting. Yeah, I feel you there. Probably me on a podcast. Well, like you said, and and I'm curious, have you found any personal growth that you've had through doing it? Are you are you, are, are you the same person you were before you started doing it, for the better or worse of doing it? Well, I, I'm not sure how to answer that. I I feel like I was able to spend more time learning things and listening to lectures or reading before doing the show. And so in a way, my intellectual stimulation is sort of like shifted from lectures and reading to conversations, but I'm notoriously bad at remembering things that I've even said. So I think there's maybe been a little bit of a stagnation or a drop off in my intellectual development. As, but so, so that might be like a bit of a negative, but I'd, I'd still rather have the show than not have the show, basically. Now, I'm curious, do you, do you is something that you found a way to monetize yet, or is it the value strictly kind of in the having the platform for you? Yeah, monetization is is kind of a challenge. I mean, you really need a, a pretty large base of listeners and then the certain certain kind of listeners, right? Like like you were talking about, you know, having a niche that has a product that people can buy or would be even be interested in. I don't really have a niche that I think really relates to purchasing a product per se. We have, of course, affiliate links for, you know, the movies and related things on the show notes page and all that. We have a Patreon. Hey, regarding the niche thing, we have a mutual friend who has a show and he's been doing it for a while. And he's also had a life happen and had a bit of a hiatus. And now he's posed a question about niching into a particular area. Uh, what are your thoughts on what he's considering? I'm going to be honest. It, it, I, with him, I think it'd almost be smarter to focus more on the video games and kind of work the other stuff in low key um, because there is such a big thing thirst for video game content mm. like i don't even play video games and there's a couple of video game channels i follow so it kind of depends what he wants to do with it uh it, i'll miss his show because i like his show 
But in the same, I I like him as an interviewer. But that being said, I mean, it, it would just be an interview show that there's a million other interview shows. So like, it, changing it, going to a more niche style format might, it makes sense within the community for sure. Um, having that specific angle. Right. But in the same vein, like I know I, I've kind of de-niched my show. Because uh, when we first started, it was very specifically libertarianism and music. And there's a degree to which you're kind of limited in what you talk to people about when you do that. You quickly find that there just isn't that many people specifically interested in that sort of thing because you essentially you're, you're you're overly niched. Now, if you want to have a very very small audience of people that really really like that thing, then you're good. But you're also going to limit the number of people that you can get as guests because a lot of people are going to waste their time when you only have like 20 people to listen to your show. <laughs> Our, our mutual friend did really well as far as, you know, getting people interested in the show initially. So he probably is more considerate about rebranding like that because that is a fairly large rebrand. Um, not that he hasn't had guests in the past that would be nice crossover. But then there's also the fact that for his life, it makes more sense because he is becoming more invested in the world of video games that he's trying to create one. Right. So it makes sense that, you know, he's going to have certainly more of an, more of a position of authority to help himself promote video games when he is, you know, in a position as a tastemaker on video games, I guess. Right. So I need to produce movies basically is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I'm a little surprised you guys don't like do like little shorts or something. Yeah. Well, it takes uh, skills. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you guys can easily take like some some quotable content, and I don't know what kind of phone do you have? Uh, it's a uh, Pixel Three, so it's you know fairly modern. Yeah, I, I'm gonna tell you right now, the Pixel Three, you could easily make videos on your phone. I know I've I've got what a a an iPhone Seven XR here, and I literally made 20 and 30 minute videos on my phone for us. Like I've produced entire video podcasts on my phone with minimal effort, honestly. Well, see, you've got the nunchuck skills and bow staff skills. <laughs> no, I've got, the, I've got the punk rock scrap skills. I'll find find a way to make it work. That's all that is. DIY till that day. Yes, we know. You're wearing a vest with no shirt. We see you. Okay. <laughs> Look, I'm on vacation, like I said at the beginning. So you got, you've been doing this a couple of years. I'm curious, what's your favorite episode so far? My favorite episode might be the one we did on The Founder, the McDonald's movie, uh, or one that we did right before that, which was um, Night of the Living Dead. Interesting. What's the worst movie you've had to sit through? The worst movie I've had to sit through was probably Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Oh. Because we did Guardians of the Galaxy, and I, I was like, okay, I'll watch the first one. It was okay. And then I was like, all right, well, I have the second one, so I'll have that as like additional stuff to talk about. I couldn't make it through the movie. I mean, this is one of the movies that I opted not to call and yell at you about how horrible your take is on it. <laughs> I bawled my eyes out during the sequel. Yeah, I did cut. Michael Rooker's character dying was spoilers. I don't care. The movie's been out for years. If you can't go see the movie, it's not my problem. Okay. Yeah, the crash scene in the uh, in the second one, I just couldn't get through it. I was like, I just can't watch this. It's terrible. <laughs> I like Michael Rooker. I didn't make it to uh, Kurt Russell's like cameo. You did or didn't? He's didn't. a he's a pretty terrible, pretty terrible guy in that in that movie. Yeah, he's. Awesome. Yeah, he was great in the eighties. Oh, I want to do Big Trouble in Little China. I want to do Escape from L.A., Escape from New York. 
I guess if you had any any final advice to give to people starting out, what would be? What's the thing that kind of keeps you doing this after all this time? Well, we always like to say that we'd be doing this anyway, even if nobody listened. And so we're just kind of encouraged that people do. And we also have like a, you know, bedpost markings on people we've converted to libertarianism. And it's the notches are getting up there, which is kind of cool. But as far as it goes, I think just getting in a routine, you know, as with anything, you don't have time for it until you start doing it and making the time for it. And then all of a sudden you have the time because it's become routine and habit. So get on a consistent schedule and come up with some kind of thing to focus on as like your your thing, you know, niche a little bit so that you kind of have an idea of what you're doing next and keep a calendar, you know, looking forward a couple of weeks so that you kind of always have something to look forward to and engage with your audience and just uh, have fun doing it. Just know that you're not going to be great right away. I mean, it, it does take some time. I'm, I'm still like trying to get good. Well, and, and, and one thing that I found is that even when you look back on it, you, even when you're starting out and like you look at it as a pretty crappy show that you did and you're not really proud about those first episodes and you hope nobody ever listens to them. I would suspect that, you, that there's still people out there that love those episodes in their own way own right and people that have been with you from the beginning yeah i imagine there are some people out there i i know that i go through phases of um, liking something initially and then a few months later going oh that was actually terrible and then like a year or two goes by and you listen to it and you're like well it was pretty good for where i was at the time yeah it's a journey people well and it is i mean like I, one of the things i tell people is just if you want to do this just start pick something and do it is worst case scenario you can pivot you can change what it's about and people there's going to be some amount of the people that listen to you that just buy into you as a person and are going to stick with you probably no matter what you talk about podcasting is weird like that is that you're building people that are buying they're developing some kind of rapport with you as a person so if it's something you're just start it go do something and if you want to change what your podcast about in like six months do it you know some of those people will probably stick around one way or the other yeah yeah that's great advice in fact even make the pressure lower and just say, hey, this first podcast that I'm going to start doing is my practice podcast. Yeah. Um, from a technical standpoint, it goes, it gets you accepted by all the podcast players. So you're pre-registered. So when you do start for real, you're, you're already raring to go. Because I know we made the mistake on our first episode uh, of I did, because back then it was just me. I didn't have Liz on the podcast yet. I made the mistake of putting all this effort into it and then starting the process, not realizing that back then it was like I might have been waiting a month for Apple to respond. Right. Yeah. It, that they accepted the podcast. So I'm kind of like, well, I did this and I put it out there, but now no one, it's not, no, there's no place for anyone to listen to it. So it was a little deflating, really, you know, very quickly. Right. Yeah. We didn't actually start out talking about movies. It just sort of naturally happened in a lot of our conversations. And then we we're like, okay. So we've, we've gone through two rebrands and sort of evolved into doing the movie thing. And so, yeah, we sort of did start out in a way to where it would just start and then figure it out the rest of the way, you know, iterate and improve. Right on. Well, thank you so much for coming on here, Daniel. <laughs> I, I hope the, the show is fun and worthwhile for your time. Cause like I said, I know as a parent, we don't all have a ton of it and we spend it on what we spend it on because we don't get it back. So I'm glad you thought it was at least marginally worth your time to come on our, our little podcast. <laughs> Talk to us about podcasting for other people interested in podcasting. Does that yeah. seem very niched for you? <laughs> no, I think that's great. And uh, I'll, if with your permission, post this on my personal website, danielelwood.com. I have all my guest appearances on there and also links to the other projects I work on. Like, I'm curious, year. how insane is your danielelwood.com? Is it a labyrinthian site like mine? Oh, no, no. It's, it's, um, I have probably 15 different URLs, but I have six or seven of them listed on Daniel Elwood, and the other ones are like all in states of undress behind the yeah. scenes. But I, I have, I have, 
the basic bio on there. I've got links to Actual Anarchy, Last Nighters, Reed Rothbard, Libertarian Union, Black and Dot Gold, and a few others. And then um, my guest appearance. So I've been a, I've been a guest on probably I don't know a dozen shows or so by now. And so yeah, just keep that on there, and that way it's all in one spot. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. So well, boss. Well, <laughs> you have yourself a good night. Appreciate you. Let's well, see how the wife gets for us. Will do, and uh, thanks a lot, guys. This podcast is a proud creation of the Mad Audio Lab. For more information, check out madaudiolab.com.